There's a whole lot of people I drive around and they say, I stand with Ukraine and they have the flags up in their front yard, right? Or on their Twitter profile. Yeah, pic. right. I stand with Ukraine and they got their profile pic. Yeah, they got their banner. And I'm like, what did you ever do for Ukraine? I mean, does Ukraine get something for like every profile picture that has the banner around it? They, they definitely don't get an invite to NATO. <laughs> Welcome to Pod Bless America. I'm Jim. And I'm Dan. And today we're talking with Nathan Bryson. You ever heard of him? Never heard of him. Never heard of him. No, Neither actually, I know else. Well, you do know him. You do know him. But you've never heard of him. But Nathan's got kind of an interesting story. And we're going to talk about it probably midway. Listen, there's a whole lot of people I drive around and they say, I stand with Ukraine. And they have the flags up in their front yard, right? Or on their Twitter profile. Yeah, pic. on their, right. I stand with Ukraine. And they got their profile pic. Yeah, they got their banner. And I'm like, you don't stand. What did you ever do for Ukraine? You know, oh, I stand. You, you think you putting your flag up in your front yard. Does that help Ukraine? Do you think that helps Ukraine? They took their American flag down to put up the Ukraine flag. Exactly. Exactly. Right next to their Biden-Harris flag. Sons of bitches. I mean, does Ukraine get something for like every profile picture that has the the banner around it? They they definitely don't get an invite to NATO. Because that's kind of what they wanted, but that didn't happen. Oh, shit. But instead, we just kind of uh, shoveled money over there. So real quick, Nathan, do you stand with Ukraine? Yes. Okay. So what Nathan did- This is where you say, welcome to the show, Nathan. Glad to have you. (laughs) No, no, no. I will. I will. But what Nathan did to stand with Ukraine was ponying up his own money and go over there to help Ukraine. Yeah. Actually over there on their soil. Right. In any capacity he could. Did you change your profile picture to say I stand with Ukraine? Honestly, I didn't change anything. It kind of made it to where nobody knew. Oh, yeah. So you weren't, what do you mean? I don't understand right now. There was no you virtue? virtue signaling. What? No. I, well, I was, then, it, then it didn't happen. Bro. <laughs> I was staying under the radar. If you don't have your profile <laughs> picture that says I stand with Ukraine, then it didn't happen. So anyway, Nathan, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. So we're going to talk a little bit about what's really going on over there in Ukraine. Mm-hmm. But first, we'll talk about who Nathan is. Nathan, who are you? Just a 29-year-old guy who stood up for something that he wanted to do. All right. So 2012, what changed in your life? Uh, 2012, after about a year's worth of waiting, joined the Marine Corps. Uh, followed my dad's footprints with that and a couple of my dad's uncles. Okay. Then pretty much went through that track of life. Grandpa or no? Just Grandfather dad. was in the Navy. So. so he wasn't in the military. He was our transport. My dad was in the Navy. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's usually the joke I use for the Air Force. But Well, and he glossed over that his uh, dad was in the military as well. Yeah. Well, I, how far back does it go? Great grandpa? Probably or, further than that. I just stopped at my grandparents, yeah. more or less. All right. So grandpa was in the Navy. Dad was in? The Marine Corps as well. The Marine Corps. But he just doesn't have a normal dad. Okay. His dad, his name's Al. We'll leave the rest out. He was in the military. Like you said, I've known him for quite some time because he's second cousins with a really good friend of mine. And this dude is a real American hero. I'm telling you, this dude can hunt. This dude can scout. This dude's a millwright. Jim, do you know what millwrights do? This is what millwrights do. Alan would come to the power plant and he'd go, what'd you fuck up this time, Dan? And I'd hand him a bag of bolts I'd point over to that piece of machinery and go, yeah, that blew up yesterday. Here's a bag of bolts. It's all screwed up. Let me know when it's done. It's always <laughs> like, he's like one of these great armors, a guy that really knows what he's doing. And you bring him a bad gun because you took it apart. You don't know how to put it back together. I swear to God. You're like, it. listen, bro, I need you to put this gun back together. Guys like, oh, fuck. yeah, he's that guy. So I know that this kid right here, and I call him a kid because he was born in 1993. 
just looked up to him a lot, kind of like I do today and did when I was younger as well, when he was, you know, just a guy that was coming out of the property and shooting with us and he can put him down too, man. That boy can put him down. <laughs> so we can't, we can't just gloss over the fact, you know, that dude, he's a good dude and you can't leave that out. So shout out to him. All right. Well, I guess I got to meet this guy. God, you really <laughs> you talked think, him up. I you don't think, know. You I, think he'd be a good guest name? <laughs> Debatable. So, so what'd you do in the Marines, Nathan? I, I drove for about three and a half years. I was a motor transport drove. operator. Okay. Which means what? I drove borderline semi trucks, driving equipment, troops, anything and anything they could fit in the back of a truck. We drove and dropped it off. First duty station was in Okinawa, Japan. And then after two years of being there, I went down to Camp Bajou, North Carolina to SOI East, which is the school of infantry you go to right after boot camp. Okay. So no hot spots? Not during. The only technical hotspot we had was our deployment with Joint Special Operations Task Force, which just sort of P, which is the security element for the first group special forces unit down in the Philippines. Okay. How hot was that? Um, is there shit going on in the Philippines I don't know about? Back in 2013, they had a siege going on in the city of Zamboanga with their uh, MILF or MILF and Morrow's National Liberation Front. We like MILFs on this show. Their little terrorist groups down there decided to attack the towns and it happened to happen right as we got there. And we sent Americans in there? There's special units that are down there. They decommissioned it back in 2015, I believe, where they stopped that mission front. So from as far back as I know to 2015, we had operations Mm -hmm. going on down there. You know, and that's one of the funny things about the military, right? There's stuff going on all over the world we don't know about. You hear about about Afghanistan, you hear about Iraq, but there is stuff going on everywhere. And we may not be sending down battalions, brigades down there, but, but we're sending groups down there for sure. So, yeah, I had no idea that stuff was going on. A lot of people thought that when we told them we were in the Philippines, they thought we were doing like a training mission up in the northern part when we were really down south. Yeah, so right. Like you're just hanging out in Subic Bay the whole time and just... Hard to explain to people when they think that it's a, you're on a vacation when you're really not. All right, fair enough. So, no combat experience? None in the Marine Corps, no. None in the Marine Corps. All right. And I appreciate that. And we, and we talked about this before. And I appreciate that because in this day and age, we've got a whole lot of warfighters coming over here that like to embellish what they did. You know, you get these guys coming over here that embellish what they do. And that was one of the things we talked about here. And Nathan was never like this. I never got this vibe from him. But I did say, look, we got some vets that listen to this thing, man. And they will suss you out in a second if they think that you're full of shit on something. Mm -hmm. And once they do that, it's over. I mean, we are getting nothing but comments. I appreciate the honesty there. And and look, that's coming from a guy in the military. Uh, it took me years to reconcile the fact I didn't do shit in the military. I mean, yeah, thank you for your service. I was, I, I did it, but all I was was a canine handler. I mean, I, yeah. And that was uh, desert I a storm. I had a, yeah. Desert storm, man. I wanted to go to desert storm, but we ended up going to, to Maryland and people mm. ask you, Oh, you're in during desert storm. What'd you do? I'm like, eh, I pretty much got drunk every Friday, and Saturday night. And Patrolled and yeah, I I didn't do anything. You know what I did? What'd you do? I went to Northridge Hill Middle School. Yeah, that's nice. (laughs) Nice dickhead. So after the military, it never really leads you, right? I dabbled in with the police academy, went through the academy over at Tri C, graduated, got the probably the worst job on a police department out at Cedar Point just because we were glorified security guards with guns. And then uh, a contracting job came up with a company called Aegis doing security work in Afghanistan. I applied for it and they said, Hey, call us. We'll set it up about three or four months later. I was gone. You were gone. Yeah. Went to the middle East working on a base in the Northeastern part. I think it is the base was called Jalalabad, but it was a small air base in the small town. And we did internal security, uh, rotated with QRF if we needed to use it. 
and then that was pretty much it. So it was like a that for me being from the military, going to a security contracted company was more of a vacation than anything I've ever had being in a different, especially a foreign country where there's a war going on at the time. Why go over there? Eh, good money. Yeah. They're paying four or $500 a day. So tax free or no up until I think they said 90,000 was tax free. Really? Yeah. Are they still hiring? Uh, <laughs> honestly, it's 51 to be, too old. To be surprised. I've seen a lot of contracts that are still popping up for Afghanistan that I guess shouldn't be there anymore since we all left. So, so how did you feel about the the withdrawal from Afghanistan? We hated it. Yeah. Everybody that I was in with, and it was a different time period and era. The guys I was in with that have all gotten out, we hated it because most of those guys had been there at one point in time in their career compared to when I got out and went there afterwards. Did they feel like that everything mm -hmm. they did was in vain? Some did, some didn't. Some still think we need to be there still. Some think it was pointless in the first place, but they did the job anyways because they were told to. So mixed emotions. Most of the guys were just upset because they left like the way they did instead of doing it the correct way. And a lot of the stuff that, you know, needed to get transported out of there never got transported. No, most right? of it got destroyed. Uh, there's videos you can go online. You'll see Marines running around with sledgehammers, destroying everything because that's what they were told to do. We didn't take anything. We just broke everything that was important. This is why I want to be a contractor. <laughs> What's the meme going around? And I don't remember the equipment, so don't get me, you know, but it's Kermit the Frog. And he's like, somebody's asking him a question. He's like, so let me get this straight. You're going to go over to Ukraine and get cases and crates full of whatever it is, AK-12s or AK-47s, fully automatic. And you're going to bring them back over here. And it's one of those where Kermit's like, okay, first off, lower your voice. <laughs> Dude, that's me. I just want to be a contractor so I can send crates home, you know, mark them like peaches, send them home, apricots, yep, no, send them home. Charmin, toilet paper. Exactly. First off, lower your voice. <laughs> so how long was that stint? That was from January of 2017 oh. until about June of 2017. So okay. about six months, roughly. That's like a normal turnaround kind of contract work unless you're really. There's, there's... What'd you make in six months, give or take? About $500 a day. They paid for you every single day. So it was, I don't know the exact number, but it was more than I was expecting to make in a year. Did you already blow through it on like <laughs> strippers? Uh, no, I bought a new car. I was no, with my you ex at the, same, at the time. So I bought a newer car. You're living with your ex? Yeah. At Wife? the time. No, girlfriend. Ugh. We were dating at that time, but then I came back and that mindset that people get from going certain places, just being there and dealing with certain things where we never had direct combat, but we had, you know, the alarm system going off for incoming mortars and stuff like that. So that you lay on the ground and the, height, the heightened awareness, yeah, just laying on the ground, wondering, yeah. well, this is it. People come home. You ask questions like, how are you doing? Are you okay? You want to talk about it? You're like, no, even though nothing really went wrong. Yeah. It's just, just that aspect of, you don't really want to talk to somebody who never experienced it or even been in that kind of a lifestyle. You're just like, you wouldn't understand. True. So. True. All right. So all the money you made you blew. We got that. He bought guns. <laughs> Well, that's not blowing money. <laughs> that's a wise investment. So we get done there. We come back. We're working part-time at a police department here locally. And Russia-Ukraine kicks off. Yeah. Now, so, I'm suspect of that 100%. What? Because what I'm saying is as soon as one war ends yep. and the military-industrial complex has to sit on the sidelines. Yeah. In my mind, I go, well, won't be long till we find out what the next conflict is. Well, but you say that, but in four years, we never got into one with Trump. We never did. He never got us into one more conflict. Mm. Right? He actually I mean, we get us out of one. He did. He did. And then Joe Biden did, though. He's a hero. He got us out of Afghanistan. It went swimmingly. <laughs> so what did you want to do? 
did you want to go over there and like red dawn this motherfucker? Did you want to go over there and like Wolverine and fucking kill Russians? <laughs> Initially the the first point, and it was probably mostly everybody that I worked with, their first intent was to go over there and fight because we seen the little that they were showing on the news and how it was going. And we kind of learned, even though none of us might've been in combat, some of us have our output on war and learning how to fight is probably better off than theirs. So we figured we go out there and give lend them a hand, show them what America taught us through our military and teach them if we had to. It seems like Ukraine's holding their own pretty well though. Yeah. Uh, for now. the most part they are now, uh, turns out a lot of more Americans went out there than people think. Uh, you have, you know, former special forces guys out there that are running teams. They're doing the same thing they did when they were in, but they're on, they're just mercenaries. At they're this freelance. Point. Same thing as I went. They just went out there and actually were fighting instead of doing what I did, which was delivering stuff. So you took the knowledge that you have and you went over there in a logistic mission. Pretty much. Yeah. It turned in from a, I wanted to go fight with my guys to we're going to do logistics, deliver supplies, bring people out, whether it was extracting them from war. And it seems to me that's the smart thing. Well, I think it, it all depended on his front man, right? The guy that he trusted the most said, this is, this is going to be the plan and this is what we're doing. And I'm sure he could have, you know, walked his way to the front and found a bunch of other crazies that were like, you know, shooting into the air. And, yeah, and, but we and talked about that too. Screaming, man. And, you know, the, the, the West Virginians. You, you go, oh, <laughs> dude, those are, we'll talk about well, that. Well, another but. thing people didn't realize is they thought they had to volunteer to fight. There were people coming out there from Spain that were just going to go out to where they were fighting at and meet up with the Ukrainians and say, hey, we're here to fight. And they at first wouldn't take them, but now they're just like, all right, let's go. Right. <laughs> you were talking about like all these guys that are showing up out there with their own equipment, like from West Virginia and shit. Right. Yeah. I mean, they're like showing up with like football helmets on and helmets that didn't fit, you know, <laughs> camouflage patterns that have no use in an urban environment. Seven or eight bags. They're wearing like mossy oak shit out were, there. Were they LARPing? <laughs> they literally look like they were wearing stuff that they could go hunt with to an extent. And then they're all excited to be out there and, the aspect of all of us is we look at them. We're like, you guys have never done anything like this before. Whatever happened to those guys? Do you know? They said they were looking for some tents for the foreign legion or the territorial defense. And after that, never seen them again. So mm. yeah. And he's like, you want to stay back with us and run logistics and pull people out and bring them to the border. And they're like, what? It's amazing to me how many Americans are over there fighting. And you got Willie Joseph cancel, who was a former Marine and he was just killed fighting alongside Ukrainian forces. His family confirmed it. 22-year-old, working with a private military contract company when he was killed. Company had sent him to Ukraine. He was being paid while he was there fighting. I mean, and we talked about that, right? I mean, a lot of these contracts call for $1,000 a day, but they know we're probably not going to have to pay this guy for very long, right? Because they know that their losses are going to be high. They're going to put him in the shit. Yep. And this story, just so I give credit where credit is due here, is from WGAL.com. He was a former U.S. Marine, according to his mother, signed up for work for the private military contract company on top of his full-time job as a corrections officer in Tennessee. And he signed up and went. Here's a picture of him. Uh, he wanted to go because he believed in what Ukraine was fighting for and wanted to be part of it to contain it there so that it didn't come here. Eh, that might have been a little misguided. I mean, this is definitely Ukraine's fight. Anyway, he gets killed over there, and it kind of brings to light you know, they start talking about how many Americans are over there. And this is where you are, right? You certainly could have been killed over there. Yeah, with what we were doing and how far we were driving around, yeah, there's a potential, more potential, honestly, for running over tank mines and maybe occasionally getting randomly hit with artillery if they fired it. Where would you go? Uh, we would drive, uh, we would base out of Poland, just okay. where our vehicles were, where the supplies would come in. We go into Lviv, which is a 
Lviv. Yeah, it's a border town right across the border from the city of Krakow. You can take about a three-hour drive to get there. Okay, so let's talk about Lviv. That is my romantic vision of what you're doing, right? You guys are waking up drunk as fuck from a bender from the night before, and you're like, hey, look, going to Lviv today, boys. Let's go. Saddle up. Yep, saddle up. Now, talk about your, were you driving military vehicles? We were driving anywhere from a station wagon to an old DHL yellow van. Fuck yeah, you were. So it wasn't it wasn't anything special. No, that's even more special. $500 vehicle that you, we found and we paid for. You were loading up supplies in an old DHL van. Yes. Middle seat's a crate. <laughs> and away we fucking go, right? Pretty Pretty much. Yeah, we had we had two vehicles. One was a red, like a modern station wagon, and one was a DHL van. And that's one; those are the two that we used. Uh, we ended up leaving the DHL van with the other guys up east. And once it got there, they had to push start it because it was a manual, and it wouldn't just turn over anymore. It just had to push start it down a hill to get it to run. But once you got it going, it was going. <laughs> <laughs> like, don't shut it off! Don't shut it off! Don't shut it off! This is crazy. Keep it running, but we're low on gas. Yeah, listen. So you would load up with what medical supplies? We could have anything from a pallet full of just tourniquets, medical supplies, food if we got it. Please tell me you were running guns. No. We had the hint that they might ask us to, but the problem was is it was coming from Poland, and Poland's government was kind of iffy on letting Americans run guns across the border. So <laughs> we, were, we were in the process of potentially getting paperwork to do, they do not that. Do they not care about the Ukrainians? They didn't want regular Americans running around with it. Dude, I They just... didn't want civilians having all this access to all these weapons. Mm. I feel okay. like somebody's going to listen to this and they're going to comment. And they're going to be like, bro, you guys got taken. This is literally the plot for whatever video game I'm playing this game right now. <laughs> this is incredible. Mainly, mainly it was just regular supplies. Now, one of the things we didn't talk about is the company that you were working for was paying you to go over there, right? The What for the Ukraine? Yeah. No. What? That was just us. There were companies that wanted to pay, but we, we couldn't get on those because those were high tier jobs. We were just volunteers. All day, every day. Well, how did you fund this thing? Out of our pockets. So you and a bunch <laughs> of fucking dudes got drunk one night and decided, you know what we're going to do? Like me and Dan talk about a lot of shit. Half of it comes to fruition. You, you said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to go over there fucking Ukraine. A lot of us talked about it. And, and then you pulled your wallet out and you were like, I got <laughs> fucking, I got $18 right now. Yeah. So I ended up uh, around that time, uh, I got my tax return back. And we, this is when we started talking about it. And I'm like, you know what? Let me look up a plane ticket. And I was, I was like, hey, the plane ticket's like $500. But then they hit us with taxes. So it was like 1100 for round trips. Dude, I got my tax <laughs> return back. And I like, I, I paid off my fucking overdue gas bill, whatever. Mm. You know, you get your tax return back and you're like. Buy a plane ticket. Yep, let's go. All right. So what'd you go over there with? You took guns with you or you took. About enough clothes for roughly a week and a half and okay. then body armor. You took your body armor. So when you got to customs in Poland, were they like a... Hey, oh. I didn't even make it out of Newark, New Jersey before I got stopped by Border Patrol. Because you were taking body armor? Just because of where they knew we were going. And what'd they say? <laughs> They're like, listen, guys. Were, were, were they like the cashiers at Giant Eagle when an 89-year-old guy comes in there to get gift cards? They're like, hey, listen, I don't think this is a good idea. Right? Honestly, I don't guy, think... The guy I talked to was pretty chill. We're going to pay for a hotel room for you overnight. Just think about this and then let us know tomorrow what you want to do. The guy I talked to is pretty chill. He's like, hey, you know, to be honest with you... We would all go do the same thing, but with our job, we can't. And I'm like, yeah, I get it. But I've, I've run into them before with contracting. Sometimes they stop you. Sometimes they don't. With going out there with this war going on, they're like, hey, where are you going? Who are you working with? 
you're going to go fight, like asking those sweet to the point. You're like, who do you work for the enemy? Shut the fuck up. <laughs> exactly. Sweet to the point questions. And then like. You got a mole. And uh, I had a, I had a burner phone. So I had a. I had a oh my God. He shows up with a burner phone. <laughs> I had a cheap $60 Samsung that uh. I gave to him. I said, you're not going to find anything on it. And he goes, why not? I'm like, it's a burner phone. I'm not going to hide it from him. And then he's like, hey, well, good luck with what you're doing. He's like, if anything happens, you know, if you have to call, you can call, but we probably can't help you. What the fuck's Border Patrol going to do? They can stop you from leaving. If they think you're going to go join certain groups, like they have certain battalions Ooh. out there that might be neo-Nazi groups or like. They used to be able to yeah. stop you. Mm. Now my they guess can, is they, my guess is under this administration, they're not able to stop. Well, and remember we talked about this during the omnibus bill that there was a group. Oh, wait, he said neo-Nazis. No, they could definitely stop yeah. you. Yeah. Everything's yeah. white they, supremacy. Yeah. Do Ukraine supposedly, according to the Russians, have a really big following of it? And it's probably just guys that aren't super into it. They're just, that's their, their thing. They like it, whatever. But they were asking us all these questions. Who are you going to go fight with? Who are you going to work for? What are you going to do? What's your plan? Are you going to stay in Ukraine? And some of the stuff we didn't tell them the truth because you can't tell them the truth because you don't want to get stopped. Right. Like, you know, live in Ukraine? No, I live in Poland, even though we spent like a week up there anyways. So let's, uh, let's, let's change gears and talk about the psyche of the people in the Ukraine as far as what they're doing and what, what they're seeing, how they're acting. What, what did you see when you were there? It's honestly, it surprised me when you're in any portion of that country, you'll see people when they hear air raid sirens go off, they'll hide. As soon as they're done, they go back to normal day life. It's not like they're fighting a war. Most of the civilians that are out there are just carrying on normal day lives. They don't have the luxury of leaving and being able to work somewhere else. They just stick it out. So it's mm. a little offsetting. It's not like Afghanistan where they're, you know, the people out there might be hiding and trying not to fight or wanting to leave. Ukraine people are just chilling and hanging out. So the media over here, what they're reporting, how much of it is true as to what's really happening over there, do you think? A little bit over half. Oh, really? Yeah. A lot of the stuff they're not showing. Uh, at the beginning, they did show a lot of stuff. And then actually being in that region, picking up Polish news and Ukrainian news, it's, they're showing more there than they are back here. So you're saying they're underreporting here? To an extent, yeah. Is it worse or better than we're making it sound? Right now, it's probably worse off. Um, a lot of the stuff in the news right now really isn't anything much besides maybe them showing something super serious. There's still a bunch of little things going on that could be reported that would actually show people here what's really happening. Like they they're not reporting on the Ukrainian military units that are surrendering. They're not. Oh, really? No, not as no, far they, as I know. Yeah, they, I mean, they make it sound like they're just decimating the Russians right yeah. now over there. They're they're running out of ammo. They're running out of food, which is part of what we were trying to do is get them stuff from the places they couldn't get it normally. Which more or less turns into you know three Americans, one British guy running around like crazy people going into southern portions of the cities or the cities down there or anywhere where there's potential fighting. And dropping off stuff that they actually need to keep fighting. Otherwise, like I said, they're going to end up surrendering. Like they had units surrender already because they ran out of ammo. So they had no, no other choice but to surrender because they can't fight. So why do you think uh, Russia did not just walk right in there and just shut it all down and take it? Collectively, I think we all agreed that they have the ability to steal the entire country from them. I mean, the country's only the size of Texas, maybe a little bit bigger but they have a, a bigger military. They have better equipment to an extent, not anymore, but they have better vehicles. They could have just steamrolled that country, but they probably thought, and this is our opinion, that they were able to just run across it, but they thought the Ukrainians were going to give up. And not fight. And they've, they've been fighting since 2014. So the war actually started in 2014. So when you look it up on Google, it'll show 2014 is when it started, and there's no end period. This is just when it became more publicized. 2014, I think they might have showed some stuff about it, but then it disappeared because we weren't really funding it at all. We weren't helping them out 
Well, I mean, uh, unless you think, uh, you know, Vladimir Zelensky got in there without the help of the United States, you know, I guarantee you when they did regime change over there, we had something to do with it. We always do. Yeah, I know. I know 2014, they had a, a decent fight going on then and it's calmed down. And then all of a sudden this stuff became real Oh wait, public. it calmed down after 2016? 2014. Like oh, yeah, 2014, but it, but it, 2016. Like, but it stopped yeah. in 2016. It was the whole Crimea thing. Uh-huh. And then it, it just kind of faded off. Yeah, well, right. So did North Korea. So yeah. did China. Everybody calmed down. Why would they calm down then, though? Because there was a 2016. dude, was a dude think, in office that carried a big stick. Oh, <laughs> is that what happened in 2016? <laughs> is that why China was like, all right, let's just be cool. We'll just set this one out. I know yeah. with the Russians and Ukrainians back then, they were trying to take over the ports like they are now. They were doing the same thing then as they are now, except now they want more. They're overreaching what they initially planned. Like you were saying, it's not reporting half the stuff that's going on. They they took over a lot of the places, but then they started getting pushed back. I would like to say, too, that I was just about to shit on them and be like, you're full of shit. Because I've seen maps of Ukraine, and it's fucking huge when I look at the maps. I'm like, God damn, man, Ukraine's a big fucking country. And then he said it's smaller than Texas or whatever, the size of Texas. Well, I look it up, it covers 600,000 kilometers. And it's about twice the size of Italy or slightly smaller than the U.S. state of Texas. Mm. I had no idea. So I had you, no idea it was that small. But on a map, it looks huge. It does. It does. I had no idea that it was that small. I, I don't know. I guess that just puts it in a little more perspective for me. Well, when he was saying that his drive was, you know, three to four hours, that's, 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 just that, the, that's Cleveland to Marietta. That's just from Poland to Lviv. And then it was like a, about a two-day drive with their curfews to go from Lviv to the capital. Like, you know, fucking curfew. You know who the fuck I am? Exactly. America. Bullshit he is. You know who he is? Just a fucking lonely DHL delivery yeah. driver. Repo- and, and I report on the sidelines. Like my side, my side job is reporter. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about those checkpoints. So you show up at the checkpoints, driving your DHL van with loaded up with clearly. Now, were they Russian checkpoints? They're Ukrainians. Ukrainian checkpoints. So the first, the first time I went through their checkpoints... I was running uh, in a Ford Focus. It was me and one other guy in a Ford Focus hatchback. Get up to it. The problem was is with him, he had, he's an American, but his family was from Russia. So older passports say USSR, which is fine. It says Russia. So every time they checked his passport with an American passport, they're like, uh, hassle a little bit. Suspect. Then they would get mine. They'd be like, oh, cool. They'd see my visas from when I was contracting in Afghan, uh, a residence visa I had from when I was contracting in Kuwait. And they're just like, oh, American, yeah, cool. And then they let us go. But when we would dr- deliver things, it was either they would try to hassle us for some of the equipment we had, which was okay because you skim a little off the top because it's going to the same place. It's right. the price of doing business. Yeah. And then you would get the guys that they see your passports and they would just jump if, jump for joy and you know, Americans, we love you, whatever. The first time we had gone up there, we took a train out there. And then on the way back, we ended up taking a refugee bus from Lviv into Poland. And this guy got on the bus and they, they escorted us to the bus, put us on there. And the guy got on the bus and was like, American soldiers, we love you. And we're looking at him. We're like, we're not American soldiers. We're just Americans. And he's like, well, whatever. We still love you. Cause we were helping him out. Even though none of them knew what the hell we were doing. But then that, that was the time we pretty much noticed how bad things are and how they kind of enacted a draft to an extent about the whole fighting age male thing is we seen families crying on the bus because their husband, dad, whatever, was outside crying himself because he had to stay and fight. So it, it, that kind of pushed us more to want to do what we well, were and doing. Well, they, they make it sound on the media like 
every fighting age male wants to be there fighting for their country. They might want to be there, but in reality, they don't want to, like they're leaving their family or their family's leaving them. So this guy had two kids that were teens. One was like 20 ish. She had a kid. He had another kid, his wife and all of them. There's like five or six of them on a bus and this guy's outside crying and you know what's going on. You know what's going to happen. But 90% of them realize they probably wouldn't see their significant other again because of where they were putting them. You have to look at it from an American's point of view as well. I mean, the, the percentage of the military that is in the military now is a small percentage of the population of America. I don't know what it is off the top of my head. Is it it's a couple percent? A couple percent. So same thing. If, if Ridgeville had to mount up, you know, I can count on both my hands of the people I would trust to mount up with <laughs> Out of the ones and, that and everybody else doesn't get a weapon because I can't have them behind me if they don't have the training. So I, I get that. I can see where uh, families would be like, Hey, uh, I mean too much to my wife and these kids to put myself in the harm's way. This battle has been going on for generations, basically. Right. It's almost More a generational less. thing. When I mean, dealing with uh, guys that were like 18 and 19 in 2014 were fighting then now they're fighting again, but they're closer to my age. Right. So it's right. like, they've, they've been through more wars technically than most Americans have because they're fighting in their own country, which nobody here has had to do yet. So you're in Poland. So you're on the Western border. Yeah. We're on the Eastern side of Poland, Western side of the Ukraine at the border, about three hours away from the border. All right. So are you seeing fighting over there? In, in the western side of Ukraine? The most that had happened out there is obviously the drive to the border. You would see air defense systems that the Polish have set up in cornfields or fields closer to the border. I think the first week we were there, they had hit a training camp for the territorial defense with a missile. Then they hit the fuel depot a couple weeks later. Yeah, that was the one that was right on the border, right? About 13 10 miles. miles. 10, 10 or 12 miles away from the border. Yeah. And then they hit the field depot. So it was, it's a little different because they were. Too, so you're not seeing ground fighting there, but you're no. seeing air fighting. Yeah. They were, they were too relaxed in a sense, thinking that, oh, nothing can happen here. When, like I said, the state's only about as big as Texas. It's not hard to shoot a missile from one side to the other and actually hit something. So, so where's all the fighting going on right now? When we first got there, it was up in the capital of Kiev, a uh, town called Bucha, Irpin, further east than that. So the capital is pretty far east, but then you go further east and you have like Mariupol's southeast. Yeah, a couple of little towns or little smaller areas around that edge. So it's further on the eastern side. They haven't really made it past the capital yet, besides like Urban and Bucha, which are like barely off well, the Well, Kiev, Kiev's north central, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like dead smack dab in the middle, but on the far east side. And there's still more past it that you can go into and walk past or drive through. But most of it's down in the southeast and the northeast. So right. most of their fighting's over there. Now, it doesn't mean they're not hitting things with rockets, shelling them doing whatever they want for the time that we were there at the beginning when we were there, they had tanks rolling around in the Capitol shooting on the Eastern side of the Capitol running around shooting buildings. Cause they thought somebody was in there that was going to attack. Are you talking to these soldiers when you're over there? Ukrainians? Ukrainians? Not really. I was mostly dealing with British guys and American guys, giving them supplies. Ukrainian guys, we would just more drop stuff off. And Do you have a feel disappear. of how they feel? Are they just doing their time until they get taken over? They're, or do they think they can win this? Some of them think they can win it. Some of them are unsure, but most of them are willing to fight until they die. Burn the boats. Well, here's what I say, right? You're sitting there wondering how long we can fund this war and other countries can fund this war with this non-NATO country while they sit there and get smacked and smacked and smacked by Russia. When are we going in? That's, and that's another thing. When I've, are we going in? When are we going to turn the tables and go, 
Now you're on the run, bitch. I spoke to Americans that were in the army that were stationed in Poland on a base that were the ones that they put on the news that were forward deployed. And they're like, yeah, we're going to be here for a minute. And they're like, oh, what are you doing here? I'm like, oh, I've been going back and forth. And they're like, oh, how is it? I'm like, well, if you guys were able to leave and go do your job, wouldn't be as bad. These guys are ready to go. They just, they the way things are going with know, us, I they don't, don't want to get involved. Man, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. I don't know if I want us in there. Why? Well, we can't. I mean, I feel bad for Ukraine. Don't get me wrong. I feel bad for them. We can't. The country's getting taken over. But why Why should we? Yeah, they I let, mean, well, Obama let them take Crimea, didn't he? He put a line in the sand and said, don't cross it. They crossed it. And he's like, oh, don't you do it again. I think I think nowadays they're trying to get away from America being the world's police. Is why we won't I mean, I, I don't know, man. What do you mean not get involved? We've already, dropped, like we've already dropped all the billions. <laughs> physically, not all the billions. Weapons. Yeah. No, I'm torn. I'm thing. torn on it. I'm torn on it. Because World War II, we didn't stop Hitler, and we see how that happened, right? Now, do, I don't think, I, I just don't think uh, that Putin has the same... Mindset. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't want to take over the world, right? He wants Ukraine. He thinks Ukraine's always been part of Russia. But... I, well, it's heavy in minerals, right? Is that our I think, problem? I think it's heavy in minerals. It's just like serious civil war. Is that our problem? Well, look at what just happened. What just happened was uh, Adam Shifty and Nancy Pelosi just went over there, had their photo op, shook hands with Zelensky. We're here for you. It's like, but are you really? I said it before. I don't care. Are you I'll really? say it again. That's the only time I was rooting for Russia. That's cold. I right, whatever. Okay. God, I wish they would have taken Nancy Pelosi and shift as prisoners. Wow. Put so, them in a gulag. <laughs> calm down. Let them dig ditches. They could. They probably couldn't even break ground with a shovel. <laughs> they probably did. Couldn't even get that far. Dig a ditch. Who do you think's Come tougher, on. Pelosi or Shift? Um. I think they both could lose to like a 12 year old that's had like six months of jujitsu training. <laughs> what? Am, am I wrong? No, am I wrong? No. They're both pussies. You know, God, I wish we could put the, I wish we could do a cage fight with. So this, but this is what I'm saying. Are they just in that war to hopefully they're going to stop? Like, is that what they're hoping? Like, well, we'll just sit there until uh, old Vlad runs out of money. And can't bomb us no more because unless you're turning the table and saying, hey, fuck you, here comes the heat. Um, I think the big reason why if we were to get involved and the reason why we have it is because he continuously has that threat of nuclear weapons, which is a big deal because if we get involved and he actually uses chemical. them. chemical. They've already been using those. Have they? Yeah, they used them uh, about two weeks before we left. They had a report down in Mariupol that they were using chemical weapons. They gave the side effects to what it was, but they didn't know what chemical was used. So they were, that was kind of a turning point for a lot of people. Were like, yeah, let's stay away from there. And if it gets bad and they tell you what it is, maybe we'll go home. Because it was at the point where if we wanted to stay, we could. But chemical weapons and us not having the right. equipment for it was a big deal. So we were like. But did we hear much about that in the media? Like what I see, what I see when, when like uh, I'll check on Good Morning America and we'll go, okay, what are they leading with with Russia today? Because every day, you know, today was um Ukraine uh, evacuated a steel plant that Russia, you know, and then before it was, you know, Chernobyl and and this and that. And uh, so they always have their daily topic of what they're covering and what they're trying to let the American uh, people see through the media. And it's only like just one thing here. Then the next day it's one thing. So it's never just a whole plate of what's really going on. I mean, honest, to be completely honest, if America really wanted to see what was really and truly happening, go on TikTok, go on YouTube. Funker 530 has all these videos that they're getting sent from Ukrainians and Russians. What's it, what's it called? Funker 530. It's a F-U-N-K-E-R? Yes. 
it's pretty much a, it's like a military base website. They post true videos where there's police shootings, videos from Ukraine. Right. Everybody check out Funker530.com. And like that shows the raw footage. They don't edit anything. They don't cut it. They might cut it to make it shorter, but they yeah. don't cut anything out. Right. Like, and we can't understand them anyway because yeah. we don't speak that language. But you'll see you'll see videos from anything from Ukrainian territorial defense guys on a roof with a rocket shooting at a BMP. You'll see BMPs getting blown up. You'll see guys shooting back what's, and what's forth. What's a BMP? It's like an infantry vehicle. It's got a big okay. cannon on it. Okay. But they'll drive those around and you'll see there's a one that was very prominent and pretty famous was a Ukrainian tank shooting six different Russian vehicles by himself. Nice. Kind of like out of a movie. You see one. Now we're talking about the one too, on. the Ukrainians now using just regular old drones that you can buy, right? Those Mavic pros or whatever they are. Yeah. They they got, the Walmart drones. Yeah. There's, well, there's Americans that were bringing nothing but drones and batteries out for them. Like they, a guy on my flight had a duffel bag or a green sea bag from the military full of nothing but drones. They had a mortar round on one of these drones, flew it over a group of Russian soldiers, dropped the mortar round. It looked like they killed probably two soldiers. I mean, uh, the soldiers saw what was going on. They all took off running, but it was too late. But you see the mortar drop. I mean, they just release it. They're being innovative. Yeah. They're not using just military equipment. They're using whatever they can get their hands on to stop them. Red Dawn, dude. But it's not warfare. Red Dawn. It's not warfare like 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 we're used to with warfare. No. We had to go through that whole bullshit if Afghanistan is, we have it under control until it gets wild, then we stamp it out, and then ISIS was a threat. Now it's not. Now it's coming back, and we, we held it down, and we have to sit here on the sideline and just shovel money into this state. And all it's doing is keeping them afloat. You know, it's, it seems like it's, it's what the government does with everything. Yeah, and I know I know with some of the equipment we were giving, I think a lot of the stuff is older stuff we were trying to get rid of. And instead of trying to sell it, we're just like, hey, here's this de- uh, deal we're going to make for you, but you're giving you all our old stuff. Oh, so I was right about my military industrial complex trying to Probably, clean out yeah. all the old inventory I mean, so have- we got to buy new shit because not only did we send them all that shit, we have to replenish it in our military or maybe we don't because it's under a Democratic president. So maybe they're not replenishing it. Who knows? Who knows? So yeah, they gave up uh, M113s, which I don't know if you know what those are when you were in. They're like, a, it's like a really super thin looking tank. It's meant to tra- transport people. They gave them a shit ton of those. And they gave them. Yeah. Those are the ones you see on the, on the rail cars when they're going through yeah, the United they gave States. Them, they gave them yep. T-72 tanks from Poland, tried to give them jets. They gave them jet. Like they, I've never seen that many javelins in my life. Hmm. And that's just so, a shoulder fired rocket. Belarus, Belarus got on board with Russia, right? The, they've always been a part of them because I think that's the same thing you were saying with Ukraine. They've been a part of Russia. Belarus is a but little But they're iffy. on board with this, with this yeah. whole. So uh, they had the Ukrainians push the Russians back. Russians went into Belarus. The problem with that is, is once they're in Belarus, we don't know where they're at. And Belarus has agreed now to house nuclear weapons for the Russians. They, but if you look at the map, man, Belarus takes them all the way to the Western border of Poland, right? To the Eastern border of Poland. I mean, there's nothing stopping them now from, if they wanted to, I mean, they could just storm to the South from Belarus and be right there on the Western side of the Ukraine. They, they had, they why had, are they uh, not? Why aren't they not? Why aren't they just do Why aren't they just like, look enough? They had conversations going on back and forth about, I think they were Chechen fighters that were going to come from either Belarus or from down South to more or less stop everything going from the Western border between Poland and Ukraine. Never happened, but they were talking about having these guys more or less like you were saying, storm that border to eliminate anything coming through, which, mm. 
like I said, never happened. If it did, that'd have been really bad because then nothing could have been able to go to them. But like I say, it was just a, it's a propaganda thing. Oh, we have Chechen fighters that are going to do this, or we have fifteen thousand Syrian fighters because they owe us from us helping them in Syria, kind of a deal. But you never really seen any of them. It's like they're using all these playback back pocket drills that they have because they owed favors by another country. I still don't understand why they're not just winning. Who? Russia. Why aren't they just finishing in this? Because they may be in on it to make this war go they, extended and, and cost want, a lot of money, right? I think all they want is the ports. If they, uh, can, if they can control that port, they can control the import and export of pretty much everything out of that country. Well, it goes a planes. little deeper than that because yeah. didn't didn't Vladimir just shut off gas to... Poland, I believe. Yeah, they're like, he, you yeah. know, so he has them by the short and curlies because... What's going to happen when he takes all the natural gas is they're just going to have to build more coal-fired power plants, yeah. you know, things that are a little close to my heart. <laughs> Maybe you can go over there and be a contractor. <laughs> I could. I mean, a lot of the, definitely definitely shit. A lot yeah. of the stuff they got going is like, and from the videos you can see from being out there, they show videos of Russians looting like convenience stores in those eastern portions of Ukraine because they didn't have food. Yeah. They're stealing ATMs. Yeah. Like what, what, what good is an ATM to you during a war? Yeah, I bet you where he looks for his jobs for contractors, I bet you there's boiler operators for all the foreign countries that are war-torn looking for... I heard Chernobyl's hiring. <laughs> Chernobyl. That, that place sure. almost went completely gone when they started attacking it. Uh, I'm pretty sure, and it is like a joking thing on the side of the military, is you do something dumb, you usually get yelled at. They had a Russian troop fire, I think it was an RPG or something, at not a security building, but it was a little bit further than the security building that almost hit one of the silos. For the nuclear power plant, mm. which might not ex- make it explode, no, but it could cool. melt. It could cause a meltdown. Yeah, it's which a cool. It's a cooling tower. Chernobyl so all over. If again. you can't cool the water, that cools the reactor. Then. Yeah, they've had. Yeah. I mean, they had. A, I think a small unit of Russian troops that were digging down in the Red Forest mm-hmm. outside of Chernobyl get radiation poisoning. Yeah, because it's soaked into the radiation. The radiation soaked into the ground, and they were trying to dig a trench. Right. So yeah, it's I like saw that they were guys are sick. Getting sick, took them to Belarus, took them wherever because they they didn't pay attention to the history, I guess. I mean, if nobody's tr- really trying to win, who's really losing? I think the Ukrainians are actually trying to win. But Zelensky's too busy hobnobbing with Nancy Pelosi to go on the offensive. He's he's a different kind of person. He's not like he's our a comedian. Government. Yeah, he's not like our government though. Like we try to hide the president of our country. He there's videos that have uh-huh. surfaced, pictures of him in a restaurant just eating with regular people. Yeah. He's out there with his, he might not necessarily be fighting like they say he is, but I mean, yeah. he might, but he's out there doing what we used to do where we yeah. have people go out yeah. in the Afghan, do USO shows and stuff like that. They're out there going there and checking on their people. But what sucks is what Jim said. And I agree with it hundred percent. It's like, what are we doing? What are we doing? Like, is it really helping the American cause dumping all the billions and uh, for, for what is basically a stalemate again, like Afghanistan was a stalemate. Like Iraq was a stalemate. Like I, I can keep going. You know, we got more, we got bigger fish to fry. Probably could have used that money to lower gas prices. Lower gas prices. <laughs> what about our, what about our own border? All right. Yeah. So let's what about our say, own border. Let's say Russia takes Ukraine. How does that affect us? Um, from what they were saying is they were threatening other countries that are on the border. Right, that's what they're like saying. Finland. That's why they're Finland's trying to join NATO now. Or they're looking into it, and we've uh, already. I think Finland's in. Somebody just got in. I think it might have been Finland. They were. They gave him the option to say, "Hey, you can come join NATO now." So he was threatening with attacking Finland, Sweden, whatever the countries that weren't part of NATO in that area. Is he though? That's what he was saying. Uh, Sounded pretty credible. Okay, 
But then I mean, again, you can't really take word for anything around. But again, I mean, what is this? Uh, so, so he takes Ukraine. What? How does that affect us? I have well, no it's because you don't care, Jim. I mean, we need you to have feelings about it. I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna change my profile. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta get, put the flag up, pussy. With I think, I think, it, I think it has to do with like economics more than it does anything else. Economics is one thing, okay, and yeah. and I can understand that play, but. Do we cap it at three hundred billion? Like, what? What's what's the cap for how long this bullshit has to go on? Because we're literally being invaded at the southern border. Honestly, it looks if like you get we're the numbers the of how thing. many people have come over the border, whether they're armed or not, it's it. The government is not doing their job protecting us. Did anybody at send home? Us, did anybody send us billions of dollars when we we're being invaded? No, oh. no, they didn't even send us a dollar. <laughs> Let's got to start with one dollar. We didn't even get it. So I think it, I think it goes along with what he was saying in the beginning about an endless war. Yeah, that we're funding. Yeah, it's the same difference except we're not. It's a proxy war. We're not involved, but we sure as hell spend all our money on it. Oh, and it's so aggravating because it's not that I don't care about the Ukraine or the Ukrainian people. Oh, I care you about know? them. It's not their fault. Yeah, you know. I mean, think about if it was happening here, it would be over quick. No. Oh, <laughs> yeah, let Canada try some shit. Let Justin Trudeau try to come down here and do some shit. Because all it would take is all the dudes from West Virginia to mount up. Do you think West if, Virginia will take Canada? Do you think the Canadian military, if Trudeau gave the order to attack the United States, do you think the Canadian military would just be standing there like, like that meme where the the stuffed monkey is like <laughs> just looks looks side to side? Yeah. I think they, I think they uh, would just stand there and look at him like he's he's the dumbest person in the world because we've worked alongside them for years. And I don't years. give a shit. What I'm saying is. <laughs> The military aspect is those guys won't do it. It's the same as like a police department telling their police to start beating regular civilians. Maybe back in the day when that stuff happened, sure. Now, probably not. You give the Russian troops think though. Did you see any Russian troops? I mean, what are they? What are they thinking? A lot of the stuff that we were getting told was happening is a lot of them being so young, fresh out of high school, age eighteen, nineteen, or twenty. They were had no idea what they were doing. They had a commander that was older, didn't told to do it, and they did it. Eventually, when they run out of fucking gas or food. He's probably doing the same thing we do on job sites. They're like, man, they don't, they, they don't build these kids the same anymore. It <laughs> seemed like it, but like at one point in time, like these guys, 18 and 19-year-olds, were willing to shoot themselves to go home. Like we had, there were reports of Russians shooting themselves in the leg to get off the front line because they were being threatened by having the Chechen fighters shoot them in the back when they tried to run away or leave because they didn't agree with what was going on. Some do, some don't. They're just because of, you know, how things are going in that country. They have to do what they're told. Otherwise, they might get killed. So why'd you come back? Why aren't um, you still there? A lot of the stuff started to slow down a lot once the Russians backed off a lot. Like, they left Kiev. They left Bucha, Irpin. They left a lot of the places. The only place that they were really prominent still in was down south in Mariupol. Uh, Kharkiv is another place that they were in. And that's southeast-ish. But most of the stuff where we were working out of they backed off. And then with Mariupol, we're like, after they said or mentioned out the chemical weapons thing, we wanted to stay away from it because we had the equipment. Sure. We might dive into it, but otherwise it was all that put together. Plus, you know, the amount of money that we put into it to stay out there for a month after that month came out and things started to slow down and we're running we're like, Oh, how much money you got left? I got 500 bucks left. Or I got this much left. Or how much do we have collectively so we can get another place to stay and then put the rest in the food and whatever. How many people are out there like you that are spending their own money that are just showing up to help? Probably under a hundred. 
You think? Of just doing what exactly we did, jumping on a plane, going out there with no backing on anything. There's, like I said, most of the people that were out there were nonprofit organizations. They were getting their housing and food paid for, but they weren't getting paid. Us was just, we paid for everything. Whatever fly, we got fly by the seat of your pants. So what Pretty do you much. say to the people that are like, you're a dumbass. If you guys had taken, gotten taken prisoner of war, if the Russians had taken you, you're going to expect the country to come in here now and save you for being a dumbass and going over there. Uh, if I was at a bar and I told people what I did first, 90% of the people wouldn't believe you just how it is. But if they, they started talking shit about what I did, I'm like, you know what? You can go kick rocks. I did something because I wanted to, and it was the right thing to do in my mind. And I look at it this way. It's the same thing as being in the military. You get caught as a prisoner. You're supposed to do certain things. If I'm in Russia and I got captured, it's a different story. They will use the living hell out of an American because of the fact that you're an American. They just did a swap. Yeah. For a drug dealer. Yeah. So with, with what was going on, if an American currently got captured, they would torture the living hell out of you. They would try to use you as propaganda to say that our military is actually there. And we all, we all agreed upon it with our little group of guys is if something's going to happen and we know we're about to get screwed like that, we're going to fight until we can't fight anymore. Just because of the fact of we were talking like we would burn passports, we would burn everything because we wanted nothing to be associated with the U.S. We didn't want that problem to be brought back home to an extent because we knew the risks of it. Being hmm. an American in a place we're not fighting, essentially aiding in the fight, delivering supplies, body armor, whatever, it's kind of a big deal. But I think it takes a set of nuts to do what you did. Just took a bunch of drunk people. That's no, it is. takes a set of nuts, <laughs> a set of nuts to, to, to come up with the plan and then to go, you know what? I'm doing it. We did, we I'm did, we did more it. or less like a day by day at first. And then yeah. once we started getting more stuff coming in, we started doing a week by week. Mm -hmm. We planned out things. We drove, we slept. There was like volunteer groups that were out there that were on their own they were going to fight we would stay with them but it was such a sketchy thing to stay at like an abandoned building you're sleeping there and you're like i don't want to go to sleep yeah i can't I trust tr it. i don't trust these guys can't i trust, trust them enough because they're americans but i don't trust them enough to sleep here wow so you know stuff like that would go on but That's a lot insane. of us were just playing the game it was, it was like a game for us playing it's more or less playing leapfrog across the street you get hit by a car you get your, your game's over yeah. for us it was if we got captured you know it's game on at that point. So we're what not. happened? So you just went back to the airport and you're like, all right, we're out. Uh, we all bought round trip tickets. Uh, we got the insurance ones where you can move them. You could pay whatever it was for insurance to get one free chance to move your flight without paying for it. So we did it till I think it was like May 30th was the original. And once everything started slowing down, there wasn't much stuff for us to take. We then swapped our flights to the 20th and the airlines were pretty lenient. We told them what we were doing. And they were like, hey, you know, if something comes up and you have to stay longer, just let us know. And they revert it back to the original date without cost, costing us anything. So oh, that's nice. The airlines were like ridiculous when it came to this stuff. You tell them you're volunteering. They were giving people seven or eight free bags of stuff because they had medical equipment or like I said, the guy had three or four bags full of drones that he took out there. What airline? Uh, United is what we went through. Then like the your European Lufthansa was the one I flew through. You had Polish lot airlines. Just anything European airlines, more or less. But it was the United States side that were like, oh, you're volunteering. Oh, where are you going? Oh, you're volunteering there. Cool. How much bags do you have? Oh, I got five bags full of medical supplies. And I'm like, off the table. Here you go. They'd check them in for you. That aspect that they cared enough to not essentially like steal all your money for a flight. Yeah, to make it harder, basically. Yeah. Because you go from one check bag for free to five, that's four or 500 bucks. Did you have a really good meal over there that you remember someone cook you some home cooking or have a steak <sighs> somewhere where you were like, oh. 
when we, we yeah, uh, I remember I had the beef patty MRE. We we were uh, <laughs> so delivering good. stuff for the, these American and British guys that were out there putting in work up in Kiev when it was still fighting there. And we stayed up there with them for about three or four days waiting on this paperwork. And it wasn't the best. Like, I don't think I really necessarily had the best food meal. Kind of remember it's memorable though, because it literally looked like they took a chicken, cleaned it up, chopped it in half, mm-hmm. threw it in like a soup, boiled it. And then, you know, twice a day they'd say soups here and you get there, there's a piece of, they give you half of a chicken, some soup, some like looks like oatmeal, but it's rice pill off kind of stuff. And then some interesting tea. But that was like that for three or four days in a row for lunch and dinner. But it was memorable because it's like, this shit is disgusting. <laughs> terrible. It looks disgusting, but it actually tastes pretty good. It's bad. I mean, in Poland, we went and got Polish food, but that was just something you kind of had to do when you were there. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, we had like uh, borscht, which is like beet soup, red. Tastes pretty good, but that looks doesn't? disgusting. Yeah. God, looks meat. disgusting, but it tastes great. They had like meat pies, which just were like mm. a giant fried tortilla shell with stuff inside. No Ukrainian people inviting you into their house? Like, hey, thanks a lot for being here. Oh, Ukrainians would give us a lot of stuff. So like the photo I showed you a little bit ago with the little girl I was playing with at the train station, her mom and her were going back home and her daughter's like two running all over the place. So I distracted her. I pretty much gave her a flashlight in the middle of the day and she just kept shining it in my eyes. (laughs) And her mom disappeared for like an hour. And we're just Americans. Doesn't know who we are. Doesn't speak English. Left her kid with us for about an hour. Comes back and she had food upon food like just stuff from the train station you know sandwiches mom, was mom hot it's pretty okay looking all right she had a kid though so it's a little different but god you would think that they would be like oh thank you for everything the amount you're doing. of the amount of people we ran across and this is like on a refugee train going back into ukraine these people were going home in the middle of a war so they would See, they would like disappear how bad can it be well google told me there's 11 million refugees what wikipedia say? It's, it's honestly not that far off like the train stations even in uh poland were like the one that the town we were in, you go into the bottom portion because their train stations are like New York subways. It's all underground mm-hmm. where you would go to the platforms and would come back above ground. There were people just littered everywhere. Yes. There's 11 million people out of the 44 million people. That's They're a, stuck that's in quarter train of the stations. They'll, they'll stay in train stations. When, when other groups like of nonprofits would come out, they would start finding places for these people to go. But until they did train stations, packed full of Ukrainians and you can just tell by how they act or even like listening to how the Polish people speak to when they speak, it's completely different, but they were everywhere, man. And you would see them. They'd all thank us. They just didn't have much to give. I'll tell you what it's up. I mean, I keep saying it's a ballsy thing to do. I mean, you don't have, you know, the wife and kids holding you down here where you have the responsibilities to where you can make that judgment and go, Hey, I'm going to go and and see what I can do and, and check it out. I think that's uh that's ballsy and also sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> a little bit of fun here and there. I mean, I think you're giving him too much credit, to be honest with you. He, he didn't fly any Ukrainian flags in front of his house. No, no. <laughs> he didn't change his Facebook profile yeah. picture, so he doesn't really mean I got, it. I got my little Ukrainian in distress flag. That's about all I got. Oh, okay. And a unit patch from the unit I was with. Okay. That's, that's about all I got out of it. Uh, that's bullshit. <laughs> I'm going to I'm gonna have to pull up your socials. I got see. thanks and praise from the guys that we were helping, and that was about all we needed. It was enough for us. Maybe we can get a nonprofit, Jim, to pay for us to go over there and do a show <laughs> live from Kiev. I just want to go over there and run bourbon for him. I want to you run, just want to be a rum runner? I want to, I want to run liquor <laughs> for him. You probably make a lot of money because they, they stopped sales of liquor and anything for a while. Then they opened it back up to where you can buy wine and regular beer. But the liquor stuff is still shut down. 
All right. Well, hey, I appreciate your service, yeah, man. man. I'll uh, cheers you to that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, thanks for going out there and uh, doing what you felt like is right. You did it. And it's probably a time in your life you're never going to sit back and regret it. You no. know, you probably would have regretted not going, knowing you and knowing your mindset because you could have helped. And I appreciate it. So cheers to that. As always, we thank you guys for your support. Wherever you're listening to this podcast, if you could drop us a like, drop us a five-star review, that really helps us out. You can find us on Facebook at Pod Bless America. And you can find us on Twitter at Jim and Dan Show. You can find us on Getter at Pod Bless America. And you can find me at Jim at PBAPodcast.com. And you can find me at Dan at PBAPodcast.com. So until next time, I'm Jim. I'm Dan. And Pod Bless America. Pod Bless America.